0: I visited the Saxon Bog last week with superb birder naturalists Christina and Clinton Dexter Neenhouse, who brought me to a field to see Leconte sparrows, a favorite of mine that I cannot hear anymore. The early morning sunlight from behind us gave the bird a magical glow. Seeing this Lacant Sparrow reminded me of the very first one I ever saw on May 1, 1976 on a field trip to Whitefish Point. After a long, busy morning, we arrived around 1 p.m. to eat our sack lunches at the banding office. Everyone was hungry and tired, but I was way too excited to stay indoors, so I took my lunch to the gravel parking lot. The snow was still several feet deep in the woods, but the lot had been plowed, and a few sparrows and finches were picking through the gravel and weeds for bits of food. One was tinier than the others, with a soft golden-orange face and breast and the most delicate cheek markings imaginable. I took in every detail." The tiny thing was as exhausted and hungry from its arduous migratory flight as I was fascinated, so I sat down on a concrete parking barrier and worked my way through the golden guide. The illustration and description of Lacan Sparrow matched perfectly, and I was thrilled. After drinking my fill of the gorgeous thing, I went inside to tell the others— The director of banding was at our table explaining the operations and what birds they'd banded that morning. I waited politely for a break and told them about the bird. He said that was impossible. Lacan Sparrow had never been recorded at Whitefish Point before. Back then, I usually deferred instantly to anyone more experienced than me, and this man was a genuine authority on whitefish point birds, but I'd studied this bird carefully and considered every alternative, so I did something unprecedented. I insisted and offered to take him to the bird right that moment. Luckily, it was still in the parking lot. After one glimpse, he charged at top speed back to the building, yelled to the staff that he'd found a Leconte Sparrow, and grabbed a mist net. After he set up the net on the other side of the bird, he instructed us to form a semicircle and slowly walk toward it to flush it into the net. When he carefully and gently extricated the tiny mite, he held it for all of us to see. His hand was enormous, and with a dozen pairs of eyes gawking, I thought the poor thing must be terrified, but it glared at him and opened its bill as if in fury and defiance. My brain instantly jumped to Ahab confronting Moby Dick himself. Being attracted to both numbers and literature, I did a bit of research. Lacan sparrows weigh about 13 grams, and one encyclopedia reported the maximum weight of a sperm whale as 63 tons. But how much did Ahab weigh? Herman Melville had been dead for 85 years, so I could hardly ask him, but I found a fan magazine with data on the next best thing, Gregory Peck, who apparently weighed a hundred and seventy four pounds from these numbers I worked out the ratios and yep. Lacan's sparrow was tinier, relative to Ahab, than Ahab would have been compared to the great white whale himself. And not just by a little, the biggest sperm whales weigh 724 times as much as Gregory Peck, but his weight was fully 6,000 times the Lacant sparrows, an order of magnitude difference. Of course, the Moby Dick in this scenario did not bite off Tiny Ahab's leg, but he did place a numbered aluminum U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service band on the leg as a permanent reminder of their encounter. And Tiny Ahab didn't throw harpoons at Moby Dick the bander, but did bite his finger hard enough to draw a drop of blood. Now, 47 years later, I, the Ishmael in the scenario, alone am escaped to tell thee. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.